Prost. Prost. Oh, no. All right. Welcome to Angry Historians, episode four. This is Steve. I am Brendan. And I am Amy. And we're going to be speaking about the Holocaust bill that Poland has pushed through legislation in the last two months and why it is a offense to us all. Why it should be an offense to us all. Mm. Okay. So I mean, I'm down with that. We're just talking about um, revisionist Holocaust history. Yes. In relation to Poland. And so before we start get into this, this let's talk a, a little bit about to, our... A hot button issue for... For us, especially yes. Steve and myself. Mm-hmm. And Amy is gracious enough to Pavlov us. Yeah. So, so when you hear... My background is not in Holocaust studies, though. No. I have traveled to Germany. We did study a lot of the Holocaust. We went um, to Dachau. We went to Dachau. We went... Dachau. We saw, what, a couple dozen death museums? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of background, but I'm not as into it as these two. So when I think that there is a point in the show that might be confusing to listeners, I'm going to Pavlov the, these two with a bell, and they are going to stop and listen to my potentially stupid question. But it might not be stupid question to you guys. So let's do it. All right. So do you want, Amy, do you want to go through the questions that you had, at so, least one yeah. of them? So there was a couple of questions I came up with before I actually had completed all my reading because I wanted that perspective of someone who hadn't done the research, which most people have not because we've got enough going on in our own news. But anywho, so the first question was, what is the legislation that just passed in Poland? Mm-hmm. The second part of that is why are we angry about it? Or why should we be angry about it? Okay. And, and I think to clarify that, I think you want to maybe clarify what genocide is for everybody. Yes. So, so that way we can they can understand the legislation a little bit easier. For the context of this episode, we are going to be talking a lot about genocide. And for our definition, we are pulling from the UN Convention. So I'm just going to read it off to you guys. Under the UN Convention of the Preven- and on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, adopted in 1948, Genocide was defined in Article 2 as any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy, in whole or in part, a national, ethical, racial, or religious group. As such, A. Killing members of the group. B. Causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. C. Deliberately inflicting on on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. D. Imposing measures intended to prevent births within the the group or e forcibly transferring children of the group to another group so with that being said let's talk about this legislation what is the legislation that just got passed in poland okay so the washington post uh why the polish government is warring u.s and israeli outcries over it. it's the holocaust complicity bill uh the law essentially bans accusations that some poles not even all poles that some poles were complicit in the nazi crimes committed on polish soil including in the Auschwitz-Birkenau extermination camp where more than 1.1 million people died. Over a million of those were Jewish, only 75,000 only, in quotes, were non-Jewish Poles. Germany operated six death camps, major death camps in Poland, with Jews and other others that the Nazis declared enemies of the state were systematically wiped out. Yeah, and like essentially to like really condense all that information into like quick, like a quick sentence, it's pretty much for me... A reckless attempt of Poland to save their Polish name, air quotes, for 
essentially crimes committed by ethnic Poles during the Holocaust. There's been a lot of research done, specifically by Jan Gross, who like was like, hey, the Poles were complicit in what they did. They knew. Who's Jan Gross? He is, is a, a Polish-American um, emeritus professor at Princeton. Yes, uh, he has done a lot of research, uh, mostly on Eastern European, Eastern Europe, and specifically Poles and. Yes. Their role in... Complicity during... Their role in assisting the Germans in carrying out their quest to have a final solution. Mm -hmm. Another person that's big in this that we have some, or I have some from, is Timothy Snyder, uh, author of Black Earth and also uh, The Bloodlands, which focused specifically on the Eastern European portion of the cleansing of Jews from their lands. And this, these researchers in particular are very strident against this bill because they are fearful that, particularly Snyder was fearful that the new, they are just going to tear down all the decades of work into the horrible crimes committed by the Nazis. They're going to lessen the atrocity based upon Polish denial. How? How? Well, How big. Do they th- tend to do that. They tend to do that by basically they want to the new. Lo- so this goes into the swing from Poland from being previously aligned very heavily with Berlin, specifically after 1989 when the wall fell and they became non-communist and they became a democratic country. Mm-hmm. They have shifted in the last, I think it's six years, uh, to a very uh, hard right line. It's called the Law and Justice Party. And they are very ultra-nationalistic, we would call them, or almost fascist. I don't know if you would want to draw that line yet, but they want to emphasize Poland's heroic past in dealing with the Germans rather than possible crimes committed by Polish citizens and they are very indignant at the idea that the Polish state as it because it was liquidated at the time of the Nazi occupation had anything to do with crimes against Jews in particular. So just to clarify from what my understanding is mm-hmm. is that the Poles are saying there was no Poland during the time that these atrocities were commit committed, therefore the poles cannot have committed. Correct. Yeah, and they're and they're very. I don't know about Steve, but when I was actually in Auschwitz, they were very clear in saying Auschwitz is the, a German thing. Auschwitz is the Polish town, and. I mean, they're right in that aspect where it's not a Polish death camp. I think I think we can agree yes. on that. It is a Nazi death camp, but it's. I think for us, what we're we're not focusing on the death camps because yes, the death camps were terrible atrocities. It's it's uh, um, industrialized killing. There was a lot gratuitous amounts of ordinary civilians going around killing. Jewish people. Just it to was, be clear, it was ethnic Poles. Ethnic it, Poles. Yes. Who took it well, upon I mean, themselves it w- to go yeah. out and murder and Jews. It wasn't just Poles, Jewish. it was Ukrainians and all that, but we're focusing we're on Poland. Poland. So yeah. Poland, yes, in Polish, in the Poles, the ethnic Poles, who were non-Jewish, were very, I don't want to say happy to, but they were not overly concerned with ratting out Jews that were trying to escape from the death camps. They were not opposed to violently attacking them in pogroms and or in mass executions like uh, in which is what Jan Gross has specifically wrote about, has a book called Neighbors About. And um, So let's back up a little bit. What the hell is a pogrom? So a pogrom is a large anti-Semitic, it's a Russian word, it's a large anti-Semitic violent act. It's basically you are, if you put yourself in the situation, you would be in a large crowd that is 
violently attacking a, a Jewish person. It's so, it's a very it's an anti-Semitic act, so it has to be someone Jewish. It's, it's pretty much like an organized massacre. Of, Correct. I would say or violence. Group. It's an organized organization of a violent event against Jews, normally resulting in some sort of death count. They're not always as high as some of the events we'll talk about in this episode, but there were some even after the war, after the camps were liberated in you know in in the 45, 46, and this was this caused a lot of outrage in the UN and. Not the UN, the United States and uh, Israel, as it was coming to be called. So, to give you guys some background, we're going to talk uh, a little more about the pogrom pogroms yeah. that took place in Poland during World War II, and just give you a little bit of background on on why, when this bill came out, we were so upset about them. Think like start with. Do you want to start with Neighbors or Hunt for, Hunt for the Jews? Well, I'd like to read this page from Hunt for the Jews. Okay. And then we can go into Neighbors, because Neighbors is kind of going to probably be yeah, a big chunk. All right, so this is from the book uh, Hunt for Jews, uh, Betrayal and Murder in Poland During World War II by Jan Grabowski. And this page in particular really struck me, because it's from Survivor in their wartime diary. And it, it depicts how Poles were basically two-faced and how Jews were terrified to really turn to them. So my survival was dependent on the absence of hostile behavior of Poles who hated Jews. Poland is my motherland. Poland is my native language. Poles helped me survive the Holocaust. I remember gratefully that the few who were my protectors. I resent the many that harmed countless Jews and the millions who were eager to do so. The trouble was not lack of friends, but the multitude of enemies. The den denunciations of the Jews who were hiding or in false papers were not a sporadic activity, but an endemic problem. Virtually all Poles resisted passively or actively the German occupation. However, the the majority of the Polish population assisted the Germans in their efforts to annihilate the Jews. We should not expect ordinary decent people to take heroic action. There is no moral obligation to be a hero. But it is a, a criminal offense to be an accessory to murder. Whoever denounced the Jew on false papers was a cowardly killer. The death of my cousin was a joint project of Poles and Germans. And there's a further line from this survivor that goes, Poland is probably the only country in the world where practically the whole society betrayed and handed over to Germans, the each hidden Jew, their fellow citizen. I want to stress that thousands of Jewish children have been caught this way, handed over to the German murderers and sent onto the gas chambers. The Poles worked hard and well to make it possible. The entire Polish society is to be blamed, and the Polish clergy most of all. Only now, living among the Poles, can I see how deeply entrenched in the anti-Semitism is in the Polish society. Priests often discussed the Jews in church and thanked God that these parasites were gone once and for all. They were grateful for Hitler having done the dirty work. And the other thing from this book that struck me was the term, the way that he described how Jews were hunted down by the fellow Poles is they weren't shot by the Germans because his point was the Germans they shot you that's all that's all that happened the Poles murdered you with axes they helped the Germans they'd hunt you down and beat you with axes and clubs or burn you in a building and that stood out to me as a as a very painful and and more hate-filled yeah like if I can interject with a little no, bit of fine. neighbors because it, it's exact it's describing exactly what happened and this is a testimony provided by and I apologize for, for getting this name wrong, but it's Shmuel Wazerstein. Yep. He says, Local hooligans armed themselves with axes, special clubs studded with nails, and other instruments of torture and destruction, and chased all the Jews into the street. As the first victims of their devilish instincts, they selected 75 of the youngest and healthiest Jews, whom they ordered to pick up a huge monument of Lenin that the Russians had erected in the center of town. It was impossibly heavy, but under a rain of horrible blows, the Jews had to do it. Carrying the uh, carrying the monument, they also had to sing until they brought it to the de uh, designated place. There they were ordered to dig a hole and throw the monument in. 
Then these Jews were butchered to death and thrown into the same hole. Now, it's the brutality of it, I guess, that is... It's like, it's the up-close and personal nature of having to use a weapon, a hand-to-hand weapon like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you don't... Who doesn't have a weapon. Or well, right, but the, the, but the, the, the concept of shooting someone is not, as a soldier, it's not... It's not hard to envision because you don't necessarily you don't have to see it as up close and personal to hit someone with an axe or a club or to set them on fire is a very extreme. I feel like you're you get a front row seat to yeah, and there's an amount of there's an amount of anger and hatred in that act yeah. to a certain extent. I mean, we're not talking about when you're in a in a military position where your building is overrun and you get down to hand to hand combat because that happened. But we're talking about you as a other civilian walking up. This would be like you going downtown Boston and just brutalizing someone with an axe that you don't know. And in worst case scenario, honestly, is that they did know these people. It'd be like you going to the neighbor next to you. Take any neighbor that you know, whether you like them or not, and go to that guy's house, knock on the door, and drag him out with a bat, and then chop him up into pieces with an axe or beat him to death with a spiked club. And I think that's what is so dry, that's what's so drying about the neighbor's book, because uh, it's specifically talking about this one town and this brutal massacre or pogrom, which is, there's a debate between which word to use, but I think right now it's not the biggest thing for us. Um, right. It's, uh, I, there's another quote that I wanted to read from that book that, again, a lot of Polish names I'm probably not going to get right. Okay. But it says, um, and thus in one part of town, Laudansky with Wisniewski and Kalinowski were stoning to death Lewin and Strzewski. In front of Goski's house, for Jew- four Jews were clubbed to death by somebody else. In the pond near Yomyomska Street, a certain Luba Vladislaw drowned two Jewish blacksmiths. In still another location, Czesla Mezierski raped and then killed Judas Ibrahim. The beautiful G- uh, Gitil Natalini, or Natalinik, the youngest daughter of the Melamed, the Kadir teacher, whom everybody knew because they had learned to read in their father's house, had her head cut off, and the murderers, we are told later, kicked it around. At the square, Dilbrushknya asked for water, and it was a hot... She asked for water, and it was a hot summer day, then fainted. No one was allowed to help her, and her mother was killed because she wanted to bring water, while Vetka Broshka was killed with a baby in her arms. Jews were mercilessly beaten all this time, and their houses, in the meantime, were plundered. So, <clears throat> not only was this about killing, that's a major part, but they... If there was anything left um, uh, as a memory of this stuff, it was taken and appropriated into the Polish houses. Correct. And this is also this is also still a current issue where Jews that do happen to try to venture back into Poland are not getting their property yeah. back. It's still like, a big deal. Well, when um, a little anecdote about myself, when I was in Krakow, I went to one of our professors at Salem State University was a Holocaust survivor, um, Sonia White. Mm-hmm. And I went to her apartment that she had to leave with her family. And, I mean, we kind of had to break in there. It wasn't very hard. But we got in, and then all the Poles in there were like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And, like, they hear our American accents, and you can kind of see, like, fear in their eyes where, like, are they coming from my apartment? Because everybody's got legal documentation from the government at the time saying, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. But it's like, that's still a big thing that goes on today. Like, it's 2018, still going on. People trying to reclaim what is theirs. I mean, we were just there just to visit, like, see where she came from. Yep. And it's a clear and ever-present day. There was uh, another <clears throat> instance that I wanted to talk about. It's in a Washington Post article, and I can't pronounce that name. Maybe one, can you pronounce that? Because it's a lot of consonants together. Uh, 
Jezgiskin. Sure. Consider Jezgiskin. Uh, a town of approximately 5,400 inhabitants located near the Lithuanian border that was half Polish and half Jewish. The Germans arrived immediately after the war began and pushed on quickly, leaving behind a small field troop. That same night, groups of local Poles fanned out on the main streets and began murdering the town's Jews. Not all Poles participated in these crimes, but many did. According to, and I apologize for the name pronunciation, Chaya Soika Goldwig. Golding. Golding. A Jewish survivor from... Schutzen. Schutzen. We were all wrong. A uh, Jewish survivor from Schutzen. The perpetrators roamed the main streets and broke into apartments to steal goods and to murder women and children. In 1945, she wrote a letter to a friend saying they killed Rosenthal's children in the marketplace. They had also killed Kaisha with her six-month-old child at her breast and her older boy, Grishin. One Polish eyewitness reported seeing someone grab a Jewish child by the foot and smash the child's head on the ground. The testimony we've assembled reveals that these events had a carnival-like atmosphere to them. In the end, approximately 300 of... Schutzen. 300 of Schutzen's 2,500 Jews died in this festival of violence. So, I'm sorry. As, as strange as it may sound, here's what brought the violence to, the, to an end. The town's Jewish women appealed not to the Polish elite, who refused to do anything, but to the otherwise diffident local German troops, bribing them to stop the pogrom. Which... Just I just like all, uh, the, that was one of the articles I read that I was so so this this also so to tie this a little bit so we can get tie this a little bit up with the legislation so this this goes back to what we were saying with how can you say you're not complicit when the the fucking Jews went to the Germans they went to the Germans to stop violence against them by the Poles. You have to be kidding me if you think that that doesn't mean that your some of your populace was complicit in this. Mm. Yes, I understand that there was no. Polish state. It's irrelevant. Your people, your country people, your countrymen murdered and butchered their own neighbors and people that they knew. It's, I think it goes beyond that. It's not that they were murdered, and, and especially brutally. It's that... They were joyously, it was, the carnival the atmosphere. Carnival, it was an event. Yes. It was an event to go to. Right. It was and like, they, but but they had to get the Germans involved. It was like, your town... How does town, that even make sense? I know, it was like, your town is like, oh my god... Like, there's carnivals in town. Let's all go. We're all going. It, they were like, oh, my God. We're all killing Jews today. Let's all go kill Jews. It, it, it's like that part that it's like... It's, and it wasn't like spontaneous. I mean, it was a spontaneous moment, but it wasn't like little spontaneous moments. Yeah, it's not one-on-one or ten-on-one. It's, it's it was, thousands on... It was to, thousands upon thousands and, to and thousands of clarify, people. too, this is important, that this article goes on to say most Polish towns where Jews and non-Jews lived together did not erupt in pogrom. Polish violence flared mainly in places where Jews and non-Jews had been politically at odds long before the war. Right, so and this goes to the... The Nazi invasion as being a green light. Correct. And this in is what we talked places. about. Right, but I mean, there's enough. Yes. There's enough where you can say that you, you could say you could bring complicity. There's there's a very difficult to say you weren't complicit when this comes up. Mm. We're not talking about isolated incidents. There's a fair enough. There's a fair amount. There are One isolated of them, incidents of, of Poles protecting Jews, too. Right, and there's, but this, it, it this incident, happen. this incident to me, this is from the Shoah Research Center. Um, it's, it's by David Engel. It's patterns of anti-Jewish violence in Poland from 44 to 46. But the biggest one that stands out is the one that happened in Jul- on Independence Day of the United States, July 4th, 1946, which 42 Jews were killed and 40 more were injured. This happens well after the war is over, well after the Germans are not there. 
This happens to not. This happens to actual Holocaust pe people that survived the fucking systematic destruction think, of their people. I think you're. I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you, but there's a, like I think anything after the clear defeat of Nazi Germany, like, well, like so in, many things. In Poland, First it's 44. Off, what state did Jews belong to after 45? But okay, were, but what is? But is that? That's not relevant. No, but it's like a purpose. Like they're not ours. Right, so they just murder them? No, we I'm didn't murder them. No. I'm talking about the people who are lucky enough to survive. They're just like, right. We so they decide to try to go back home. These people are trying to go back to where they allegedly were home, allegedly, because you know, obviously Poland didn't want them back, but they, no, they were did. from that's there. What, I think that's what I might be trying to get to. It's just yeah. like Poles are like not ours, but like, bro, my family's been living in Krakow for like hundreds ever. of years. Ever yep. since what's his face, the, uh, the king of Poland, I forget his name, uh, was like, "Come on in, bro. We got you." So, so my biggest point is the big, the biggest argument for this is that there's a medieval blood libel where there was a, a, a massive amount of anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe, specifically in Poland, where people thought the Jews used the blood of Christian children as a blood libel, as a sacrifice, a right. ritual. And, so, and this is part this of their is belief what, system. This is part of their beliefs that have been built into them before the war, before the Nazis. So when the Nazis come to town and they take over your country, this is how we end up with these events. Yes, not every Polish person thinks this way. I understand that. Just like not every German person wanted the Jews dead. You no, can make that argument too. No, that's, that would be stupid. That's right, but this, is, but this is what I'm saying. If you're, if you, you, but you, you know German is going to say we weren't complicit. Well, they would, but I mean, then, then you would be laugh at them. Just like you should laugh at the fact that Poland's trying to complain, complain and state non-complicity when we've given you, just in this last 15 minutes, we've given you probably five real examples of complicity that involve thousands of people being butchered. Active complicity. And active. And these are non, not pushed by the Germans to do. Not, not even, and in, in one case, the Germans were involved to stop it. I mean, that's just insane. This is not, and this is the kind of people that are claiming non-complicity. They're claiming they're innocence. I mean, give me a fucking break. And I'm sure it's not all of them, you know, civilian-wise, but the the Polish government and the, the party that is in power now... It's very, it's very, very right-wing conservative. It's, it's right-wing conservative. It's, it's, it's based nationalistic. on nationalistic. Yeah, yeah nationalistic I views. I have a huge problem with that. So, but I just wanted to put this little factoid out there. Well, I was going to go to... Okay. Uh, it's just a little factoid. Like, Jews in Poland have been... In, were encouraged first around... 1098 by Bolesław III, like he thought they were, it was encouraged to come there, and then it got, and then his um, successors further embellished that, and then for centuries, like there's really there's no like pogroms or massacres against Jews. I think it was more like you're a fucking asshole. I'm gonna punch you in the face. Like I'm punch you back. Like that kind of shit, if anything. And then just all of a sudden, I don't know, like the they just got that license to like. It was know. it was after the Reformation. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries in Eastern Europe after Reformation that remained strictly Catholic, which Poland was strictly Catholic. Still when strictly was Catholic. when are you? There's been a few different Reformations. The right? it would be the main the main Martin Reformation. Luther. So Martin okay. Luther. So between just to fifteen fifteen twenty one through sixteen fifty. Okay. So the main main chunk of Reformation that went through Western Europe and part of Poland. That would be the part where anti-Semitism became large again because Protestants. Martin Luther was a well-known anti-Semite, mm -hmm. and oh yeah, and no, they he has such positive writings about Jews. So and then and then the Catholic <laughs> so. Church used propaganda against the Jews to keep people from going over to the Protestant side. 
and this pushed countries that were not necessarily what you would call uh, anti-Semitic, like Poland or some of these other Eastern European countries, though they're anti-Semitic normally, but it, it started to push the divide, mm. um, especially the rhetoric from the church. So to go back to this article from the show. centuries of that, you know, built up into your social correct. culture. Yeah. Then, yeah. So show a resource center, the back to that article that I, from David um, Engel. Table, so it's a summary of Jewish deaths by violence from November of 44, which now November of 44, the Germans are no longer in Poland. They do not control Poland anyway. They're basically being pushed all the way back by the Soviets. Through December of 45, which is well after the war, there were over 351 deaths of Jews by Polish civilians that had nothing to do with any sort of military involvement from either the Soviets, who were known anti-Semites, and the Germans, which we all know they're anti-Semitic. So there are, they have them listed by city. Now, obviously, I don't do great with Polish names, but let's go with the bigger cities that most people would know. So Lublin, 69 deaths in that time period. Uh, Warsaw was 57. Lodz was 51. Kidse was 79. Krakow was, by and large, pretty small, 15. Bzezau, which I'm sure is completely wrong, uh, is 34. Uh, Rezau. Ridzow, probably pronounced something like that. What are you looking at? Was so it totaled three hundred fifty one, and that's a that's a high proportion of the people that are obviously displaced. They're obviously being evacuated, not evacuated because that's the wrong term. They're being um, uh, disenfranchised. Being, yes, but they're, 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 the the camps are being um, dissolved. Yes, and they're being uh, the, the the Russians are liberating them, the liberating them from the camps. And they're being redispersed. And in Poland, unfortunately, there's not a systematic way to deal with them. So they're being pushed back. And they're trying to go return to their homes. And these are non-Jewish Poles, ethnic Poles, that are ki- committing these acts of violence against people that have survived some of the worst atrocities known to man, at least in the 20th century. And these are it, these events just, they really paint this, they paint this legislation in such a bad light. This, this, there's just very little that gives you the sense that Poland could come across as a victim. Okay, well, as, as non-complicit. Let's put it that way, because they were victims. They did have victims. They had over 3 million people killed by the Germans that were non-Jewish. So I understand that. But what I'm saying is... And no one's going to say... We're not saying that they... And we're not saying that they... they, We're not saying that the Poles were not victimized by Nazi Germany. Because they were. They were. But they cannot claim innocence. They cannot claim innocence. And so here, this is a good segue then into what is this bill explicitly trying to do? And that's why we're upset. So one of the articles that I really liked and really understood very well basically laid out the law as saying that the law would essentially ban accusations that some Poles were complicit in the Nazi crimes committed on Polish soil, including in Auschwitz, where more than 1.1 million people died. Over a million were Jewish. Germany operated six camps in Poland where Jews and other Nazis considered enemy... There were six main death camps in Poland. Yes. And so this... The issue with this is not to say... We're not saying that the Nazis shouldn't have the blame for what they did and that for setting up the camps or operating the camps in, in Poland. We're not saying that there were Polish death camps. There were death camps that happened to be in Poland, but they were set up by Nazis. What we have an issue with is this law trying to whitewash or to revise the history of what really happened between mm. Polish citizens and Jewish... And their Jewish neighbors. Because yes. essentially Germany comes in takes over all of Poland, allows the Jew- Polish people to Polish do what they want with their Jews, and this is how they reacted. Correct. They could have just left them alone and just let the Germans deal with it. Right. That would have been... A, we would not be having that conversation if that's what had happened. Right. 
But that's not what happened. Right. What happened was they're like, oh, we can do what we want now? We're going to make your life miserable. Correct. You filthy Jew, uh, whatever they would say. Filthy id. The biggest thing, the, the biggest problem I also have is, so Jan Gross also comes out against this. He has a video um, out about against the legislation. And one of the things that he specifies that I think we've touched on a little bit is, you know, people have mistakenly said Polish death camps. And he mm-hmm. says, and I would say most people would agree with, if you want to ban the use of Polish death camps in Poland, fine. Yeah, if you, I, I, I don't think I, any single person would really stick up that much and say, oh, yeah, that's a terrible idea. No, no one would really not, care. That nobody would have a viable argument. The reason why him and other historians and ourselves as historians are upset is because this type of legislation is is a green light to whitewash an entire, Chap- entire chapter of human history. Mm-hmm. There's a chance, and I'm not saying it's it's highly plausible but there's a chance if they go full nationalistic they could wipe out the camps you could no longer study them you could no longer go look into the mass shootings that happened on those soils you can't investigate whether it was actually germans that committed them or russians or any other non-pole because they like well no it didn't happen or no we don't no because we cannot we can't sunder the name of poland to let you investigate i mean when i went uh, when i went to uh uh <laughs> So one of the quotes I'm just looking at um, comes from the Israel's Holocaust Remembrance Center, mm-hmm. um, who they they cautioned that the bill could quote blur the historical truths regarding the assistance of Germans received from the Polish population during the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a I I just think that that's a nice concise way to put it. Yep, because so. what it's gonna do is it's gonna turn it's gonna turn people that did defend Polish people. It's gonna turn them. That, that are non-Poles, mind you. Meaning people like me, people like Brennan who have studied. Because you're basically going to say, well, yeah, there were some good Poles that helped. But now that they want to claim that we're slandering their name, they, this is what they did. And you're going to dump a whole load of negative press on them or negative investigations of what happened in, in, in this time period. And what and what I've wanted to do and what I'm going to get my, what I, what I am trying to get my master's in is the Eastern Front of the atrocities that happened during the war and not specifically just to Jews. I wanted to focus on, yeah, let me finish. I wanted to focus on what happened to Poles, Ukrainians, Latvians between both armies. I wanted to focus on why those people turned and maybe this would help. But when you legislate in this manner, well, you're going to, you're going to criminalize people because they say that you, you had some people that were complicit. Some of your population was complicit. It's going to make people not trust that they're going to get the proper support they need to do academic research and they're not going to get the full right story. and they've already come out they've already come out against young gross they've already demonized him or he's tried been, to in the he's past been sued many times right but i do have a question yes so have you guys heard like i don't know if there's an actual term for it but i'm going to kind of on the fly come up with one the rich white lady syndrome Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm going to explain it anyways. Yeah. So essentially, it's like in films where you get, not necessarily a rich white lady, but you get a white person coming to an ethnic population and they're living in squalor, having horrible lives, and then they change that. Everyone's life around. Mm-hmm. So like a good movie, as an example, is um, Freedom Riders, I think that's what it's called, with Hilary Swank. And, what uh, about um, Gangster Paradise? Oh, with um, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Dangerous Minds. There we Dangerous go. Minds. Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds is another one. But essentially, it's like white people have to come and save black people in those movies. But what I'm thinking is like, I don't know, like, 
like something kind of similar with in regards to like well Poles are the saviors of Poland and the Jews did nothing and that's not true no it's not true at all they, but that but I feel like they this could potentially minimize if you get rid of the batshit wouldn't it help minimize the Jewish efforts for Poland and then yes it minimizes uh, everything well, if you... and then just boast them even more to be heroes well that's the biggest if thing you... is they want to they want to play up in their new in their new massive museum that's under yeah. scrutiny by the new government. Which one? They, the, uh, the World War II Museum in Gdansk, the brand new one oh, that got built. Yeah, they um, they want to play up the Worst victories thing. in the, the Polish uh, units that went to Normandy, and they want to play up all these units that went to uh, Italy and actually performed well. And it's like, great. Do that. You can show you her heroism, but you have to own what happened. You well, have to own it. You have to own the fact that some of your people fucked up. Right. And, and I think it's well, and we're not good people. I mean, some people, that, shit. We, every country is not good people. We have tons of them here. Yeah, like I was just gonna say, like we're not lost in the irony of our conversation. I mean, Jesus Christ, atrocities in the world, uh, even uh, especially in our just country. With, what during the same time period we had. Japanese she, and yeah, Germans. Japanese. Myanmar, yeah. Or Manzanar. Manzanar. Why did I say Madagascar? I don't know, because it's, it's a shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's but a horrible movie. I think the biggest point to say is to say that if you block out any part of history, then you are lacking the full picture. Right. And it, it I mean this is but this is why this is why the Soviet Union being a wall for so long, this is why before nineteen eighty nine right. there was a really you had a really hard time getting any information in Eastern Europe, right. Poland and any of it. And this is what historians like myself and Brendan are afraid of is if you if you start putting this wall of legislation up in front of us how are we supposed to make these events? How are we supposed to make sure that people realize the importance of these events? How are they even the, in the crimes against your own country? Right. How are we supposed to get the crimes against your own country out there if you're just so unwilling to, to so, let people have a real take on what happened there? I, I I just want to go real quick before I lose this train of thought. Like I want to put Germany as the like example right now. Mm -hmm. They went the complete opposite way. It is illegal to deny. Correct. What Germany did. It is illegal to do the Nazi salute. It is illegal to have Nazi propaganda, Nazi symbolism up without a government permits. It has to be God. God yeah. Like even God. like. Um, like when like, they did Valkyrie. When they did Valkyrie. They had to have government permission to get that up. <clears throat> to get the flags up for the American films. But yeah. I guess in the German edition of those films, those there flags are just gone. red. Yep. They, no, they, they don't have the symbol. Them. Correct. So, and it reminds me of that meme where we um, talk about, like, how all this stuff is, but we, like, it's a, it's a, it's an, like, a really unfortunate past of Germany, but they confront it and they, they don't hide from it. Whereas Poland and the United States are ignoring that uh, they choose to ignore it and go down and just pretend like it never happened but it did and it has to be addressed because only then can you heal and move on or would you agree disagree oh i completely no i completely agree because i think the biggest thing that i noticed from being in germany and talking yeah. to multiple and it's not like an impervious system like there's still like the nazi party and it's diluted on nazi named form because it's illegal it still exists like there are still those fascist assholes but and there are still our fascist assholes here and no, no, I just wanted you to read that. Sorry. Um, no, no, I completely agree because I think when we were in Germany, I think, and it's anecdotal, but I think when we were in Germany, we did ask, we tried not to be the crazy Americans that only talked about the Holocaust and Hitler and all this other Germany stuff. Germany does have like a million other things to offer. Right. And we had a great time. And I would say that every German person that we talked to was very polite. And we were also make we also made a point to be polite in the sense that we were not. It's a sensitive issue. We were not trying to harp on them and make them feel guilt that they shouldn't feel if they're younger kids our age and this and that. And that's right. what they. That's what a lot of them said. Is but after a gallon of beer, it's like, 
what'd your parents do during the war? Right. They were like, and they were very nice, and they were like. But oh, some of the what I would say is there is a they're all very well educated on Hitler. They're all very well educated on the Nazis, and they all and they all they all confront their past. Right. They all own it. They say, you know, yeah, that was our grandparents. Yeah, that was our step step grandparents. Whatever they own. Our age, they say uh, they 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 call it their grandfather. grandfather. Yeah, yeah. So no, no, but they 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 own it to the sense that they don't hide from the fact that their history is a little bit convoluted, in the sense that they can't say that they don't have a dirty history. Whereas Poland is trying to walk around that. And now I handed an article to Brendan that I, one of the things that I, that I found in it was, it's a, um, even worse than we thought by Julian Barnes. And so it's the monument to the Jews killed in Jedwabne, Poland in 1941, which was erected in 2001 and was vandalized with swastikas 10 years later in September. Because little shitheads think it's funny. Because they think it's funny. And also because one of the other things this legislation has brought out that, for some reason that this this government is is accepting of is when the legislation was announced, Poland had marches, and in these marches there were over sixty thousand basically neo Nazis. They were called pure blood, clean blood. They actually had neo Nazis. These are the people that you're claiming you're trying to distance yourself from because they're the bad guys. Yet they're the ones marching and you prayed for the legislation of the bill you want to pass, and that's so, fucking ridiculous. And, and to back up here, just uh, from that same article, the Julian Barnes article, I wanted to read a little excerpt because mm-hmm. in I the past in polls had acknowledged the roles of certain specific polls that committed these atrocities. So I'm going to read this to you. There was a trial under the communists in 1949, which convicted 12 ethnic poles of collaborating collaborating with the Germans. So one of the things we want to talk about uh, why this all matters now and for me as a layperson who does not have as deep an understanding of this topic as these other two guys what i worry about is uh, the the future of recollections of the holocaust and those who were telling their story that people who were affected by uh, that their stories could be whitewashed and could be washed over and disregarded whereas individual individual stories are really what make up history and we need to acknowledge all of it ugly or not so i'm gonna let um, brendan and steve talk a little bit about there a few things that come into the 21st century as to why this matters because i think for people who don't have a full understanding of it who are Americans even say this isn't our problem you know our what what's your take on it Brendan um you wanted to talk a little bit about the Polish embassy in DC and uh, what they were talking about in relation to this legislation so I found this little article it's a that is published by the embassy of Republic of Poland in Washington DC it's titled against Polish death slash concentration camps a how-to guide and essentially it's a guide about talking about how if you see disinform what they consider to be disinformation regarding the Holocaust and Polish complicity and how to address it. And they do have some valid points, like calling a Polish death camp. It's like, yeah, Poland did not, the state of Poland did not set up death camps. That was Nazi Germany. And it was a big thing. And they just keep on going on these, like, check the comments section and then call them out. Email organizations where you notice in factual information. But the- didn't, they, didn't they um harp on the New York Times? I thought when I read that article, they really harped on the New York Times. They, they did mention, like, uh, a few uh, times that they did mess up. And stuff yeah. Like that, well, because I, well, I meant as, as an example. I think that they tried to make an example out of the New York Times. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. I just but, like, It was something I just noticed when I read it. That's all. She's like, so in this article, they said, like, other, so one of the things is, like, calling Sobibor a Polish concentration camera. 
uh, which is not it's just factually inaccurate. It's it's a Nazi Germany thing. It's a thing that they have to own and they have. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter that it's located in Poland. Like if the Poles had built it, it'd be a different story. But they didn't. At least not in the sense that we're forced labor, maybe. But that's yeah, about but that's it. not. No, that's they a, were not the driving force. They were like, hey, you guys want to build a concentration camp today? Like, yeah, that sounds great. No, no, no. they were like, build it now or die. Right. But the big one that stood out with die me later anyway. Exactly. And like the big thing that well, they the said Jews. for me in this article was Polish Nazi and direct quote: there were German Nazis, there were not Polish Nazis. Poland never collaborated with Nazi Germany. Bull fucking shit. We have already said in this episode. I was gonna say, yeah, we've we've given you a huge, we've given you a, a very big sample. We're size. giving you a droplet in the ocean, right? That is like this topic of Polish German collaboration, collaboration because there were Polish Nazis, just like there are American Nazis today. Maybe the and, and, and it, let's go with like Italy. They have their version of fascism. Not exactly Nazis. And German had their ver- version of fascism. They were Nazis. Poland had their fascists. Might not be called Nazis, but they're still fucking assholes. And they did collaborate with Nazi Germany full-heartedly. And yet Wagner is a perfect example. Let alone the million one other fucking cases that we, we can do. You know, Kils or Warsaw after the war or Lublin, Krakow. Krakow. I mean, we can keep going on and on. I mean, the biggest the biggest line about that that really, ir- you know, what you highlighted that irks me about it is how can you take a look at the stuff that has happened during that period of occupation and say that you didn't collaborate when Poles were afraid to go back home? They were afraid to turn to you. Like I read from you in that Jew hunting book. It's they were terrified of the Poles when they did escape the Germans. They were terrified because there were some cases from the Polish Republican Army, you know, the uh, resistance army, where they executed Jews on the spot instead of helping them because they didn't want the Nazi attention. Well, how does it not prove, how does that prove that you weren't collaborating? Because why wouldn't you just help them? Nah, screw that. We're just going to murder them. So to, to spiral off of what Brendan was saying, to bring this up to current day, a part of the Evan, uh, even worse than we thought article by Julian Barnes. So there was a, a reporter from an, an, an English town that went in and she wanted to write a book. And so she interviewed a Polish, uh, Polish sociologist that said that after the Yedwabne affair flared up, the number of anti-Semites in Poland increased significantly. Why? Yedwabne sharpened our sense of competitive suffering. So her point was that Holocaust denial remains in Poland. As of this article was published in 2014, her source says 2002, a 2002 survey showed that only 14% of Poles believed that in Auschwitz, they mainly killed Jews. Now, it is of record that in Auschwitz, 90% of the 1.1 million, 1.2 million people killed in Auschwitz were Jewish. Over a million people are confirmed Jew, Jews killed in Auschwitz. Only 14% of Poles believe this. There was also a further study done by a Harvard uh, PhD student who found that in, as far as Holocaust denial in Poland, when it comes to actual knowledge of the concentration camps, 90% of Polish people knew the names of the camps, they knew what they were, but only 30% of that same population could identify even roughly close to the to the accurate number of people, Jews, non-Poles, killed by the Nazi. That points out an endemic of people that are denying what happened in their own country. They are denying that these things happen. It's it's not necessarily full scale denial, but it's a it's a it's a nice cushy way to deny it. It's a cushy way to say, well, we're just gonna we're gonna feign ignorance. Is it actual? But is it the full? Is it feign ignorance? Is it actual? No. Is it denial or is it lack of shame? 
I, it might be both. I mean, and I'm not saying that to be a dick, but it might be well, both. It, it might be, be a little bit of both where they it, don't have the shame to even say, yeah, we're we're blatantly denying this. Or we're that we're, we were wrong. Because they might not even think they're denying it. They're just blatantly saying we don't have the shame in what happened in this well, country. And so and we, and and we can't be bothered to learn the exact amount. That to me is what bothers me the most is if it isn't straight denial and it's ignorance they can't even be bothered to learn how many people were killed in their own country well okay and so to to go off of that to say the political party that is in power now in poland law and has justice made it ex- expressly clear that they do not need to learn these things correct and so there is a whole party of this this feeling of nationalism that says we're not going to, not unlike we do in the U.S. with, for example, the Japanese internment camps, where we go, yeah, we know we did that, but, like, how many were in the Japanese Do we know? No. It's um, not something that we have, but it's not something that we acknowledge in our, our the base of our education. See, I'm not sure about that, because I, I learned about that specifically, and I remember that clearly. I remember learning that it happened, but right. I don't remember learning I remember being numbers. upset, I, I, and I'll say this, this is a, an anecdotal thing, and I'm not saying this is what everybody felt or how anybody else felt, but I remember being upset that that happened. I remember being upset that the United States would do similar to what the Nazis or other countries had done. Now, I... We am not systemically conf- murder them. Well, that's what I but, but I but that was my point. Yeah. I was gonna say we, as far as I am aware, we did not systemically torture and murder these people. I have not. I've not. And I admit this completely freely. I have not done the research on it. I don't know the treatment in the camps. I really don't. I am confident in saying they were nowhere near as bad as concentration camps, whether that was in Japan or in Nazi Germany. Because as we have found out after the war, the Japanese were almost as bad in their treatment of actual GIs and not just civilians. Their civilian treatment of the Chinese was disgusting. But we're going way off the topic. Right, we're going way off the topic, so I'm trying to get back. But but, but what I would say is, so to, to bring this back to the, the, the question of Poland and, and their mm-hmm. education, now, if 90% know of the camps, that's more than most countries. It's more than anybody other than Germany, and I think the last country was Czech, uh, Czech Republic, where the three mm-hmm. top, they were tied at 90%, that knew of all the camps and where they were. Germany was up at over 55% of the population. This is as of 2007, mind you. Could name a very accurate proportion of who died in the, the amount of Jews that were killed in the camps. Now, you'd say, well, that's pretty brutal considering the Germans committed it, but the Germans don't shy away from it. There are lots of monuments that if you go to Berlin, right, the yeah. Berlin is the monument to the murdered Jews of Europe. And it has names and individualized stories and numbers plastered everywhere in that museum. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Munich and when you go to Dresden and when you go to Nuremberg and you go into these Nazi historical uh, documentation centers, they show you and tell you and... They acknowledge it. They acknowledge it because they bring their kids. They, we, we, when we were there, there was a school trip to... It was Munich. I think when we went to the documentation center in Munich. There's like an actual rule of law where kids actually have to... Well, we went to, to Dachau. Auschwitz. Right. Well, they have to go to Dachau too. Yeah, and like, I will say though, Dachau is pretty... They... They have an, unco- in my opinion, an uncomfortable amount of Christian ideological symbols around that place uh, in comparison to Jewish symbols. I would agree. Like the fact that there's a, um, oh god, that's a nunnery. So far off topic, though. I know, but the fact that there's a nunnery <laughs> on the ground. Well, so so nuts. we can we can do this. Maybe that's my Catholic school upbringing, but I, it really makes me uncomfortable. No, it makes me uncomfortable as well, and I don't have any of that. But so what I would say is... A little bit with this and go... No, but what I would say is it, this is a good topic for another day where yeah. we could say that the Germans didn't make a... didn't always do it right, because we're not saying Germany's perfect, no, but what I would say... Right. But what I would say is at least they are willing to confront acknowledge it, and confront 
the issue. Or go from there. Correct. And their kids are forced to go to this camp. Whether or not they pay attention or not is irrelevant. It, they were, they're forced to go to Auschwitz and they're forced to go to Dachau and they're forced to go to Bergen-Belsen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I couldn't find any hard data about Polish education there as far as if they're forced to go to these camps or not. I did dig a little, but I, I can admit I didn't spend a ton of time. But what I would say is this new legislation by this this party is, is going to, it could undermine the ability of their educators to help keep this topic fresh and right in their mind. Yeah, but I think that kind of segues into what I wanted to bring up where during my experience at Auschwitz, so just a little backdrop, Auschwitz is the second most visited destination of all of Europe. First, it's only beat by Euro Disney. So they have translators who can speak just about any language that you can imagine. But they ran out of English translation. So the day I was there, my group got a Polish-speaking woman who could only speak Polish. And our Polish translator had to translate from Polish to English. And she was... Ve- and this the Auschwitz tour guide was very much giving us the Polish propaganda. She downplayed severely the Jews that were killed at the camp. She upplayed the Catholic Poles that were at the camp. She talked about the priests that took place of Jews at the camp, which is a very noble thing. I don't want to take anything away from that. But I feel like there's a certain, like, we, you know what you came for, like, at Auschwitz. You want to hear the well, Jewish Well, there's a, there's a humongous the difference of people. Because she would point out, this uh, this monument here is for the Poles that died, in, the, the Poles that weren't Jewish. And there's a very clear, distinct separation between Polish Jewish citizens and Poles that Pure. were Catholics. Yeah. And, or just polls in general so like this is the polls like memorial for them that we have at this and this and auschwitz uh one this is their monument and then like, oh, over there's theirs but this is ours and right here is where we have the catholic cross for to mem- commemorate now the catholics that were killed here by the catholic parish that was around but we had to get rid of it because the Jews didn't like it, and that's like, I mean, like, I mean, I had a Polish, per- like, I had a person who spoke Polish telling me like a, a very quick, like, gist of what this woman was saying, because like she, uh, like, you have to be quick in Auschwitz. I think Steve can attest yes. to that. Yes, yes. But it, it's just like, what the fuck? So to to really upplay what Brendan is saying, you have to understand that the drastic difference in numbers, the numbers of documented Pole non-Jews. Polish people, uh, like Catholics or whatever, was 75,000 killed in Auschwitz. There were 1.1 million Jewish people killed in Auschwitz. Think of the disparity and think of how the balls on this woman to basically do what she did. To explain it the way she did. She didn't speak any other language. She was so Polish. So she knows what she's fucking doing. Right. She knows that she's giving the Poles what they want. Right. That's the only thing. That's like the one thing that really and I would say me a former tour guide. Like tour guides, like for the most part, are very limited in what they know. Like they learn their script unless they're like a grad student. Who but I would like, say doing research. But like this woman was older. She was retired. But don't you, don't you remember the, the in Dachau we had the same problem? Yes. Yeah, she had a very much. She was sticking to the script, and we asked questions of our off script. She and she like, said Dachau wasn't like, a death camp, and this I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, she and, she was very adamant about. But which also brings me to the reverse. And when I went to another camp in east, even further east in Poland, uh, my Donna, I had a Polish person who was a, uh, he had either graduated with his PhD or. He, he was doing the program who gave us a tour and he spoke amazing English and he gave us the narrative of the camp 
and he was so good that he like he had his script that he went over showed us all these things but like when we asked him our off script questions he knew the answer and, and was he, willing to talk and he was about willing it. to talk about it he was willing to confront the Polish complicity to it. He was, but the way you also to... described that too is he also let the weight of the place. Yeah, I was, was going to get to that. Yeah, sorry. So like, Majdanek is very unique in the sense that it has its ashes still like intact, and they made a they, they call it's called the mausoleum mm-hmm. that they did mm-hmm. of all the ashes piled together, and it is it is so big. I never thought I would realize it. And then like he hits you with like one or two quick facts, and they're like they're like he's very like so soft spoken to us that like. It's like a punch in the gut because, like, you're trying to reflect on this stuff and you're just, like... He's, like, telling us, like, oh, these ovens were used to heat... Uh, to burn the bodies of dead Jews but also to heat the bath of uh, uh, the commandant of the camp. Correct. And then you see the pile of ashes and, like, then you see how close everybody's living. It's like, these houses are fairly new but if you go, like, another street or two over, which you can see from the camp, those are original to the time and they were very close. Correct. And then there's another part and that's very open it's not behind glass and shit so all their artifacts mm-hmm. are they're sealed off by like a wired fence so you right. can get that that smell and he very much plays into that sense mm-hmm. he's very good and he's very manipulative that fucking asshole so when I'm like oh my god and I'm not afraid to admit like I was crying I was uh, like yeah. I, I'm so it's emotionally tortured that I, I, I can't do anymore. But the point of the thing is, he gave the narrative that the camp needs because Maidonic, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, was not really meant to be a death camp. It was meant to be a work camp, but there's still a lot of killing done, a lot mm-hmm. of complicity by the Polish neighborhood that it was in. It wasn't like 100,000? Something like that. I mean, it was still like the fact that it was a lot. I mean, it was less. It was more than Dak. Da- I'm gonna put it this way: it wasn't a small amount of ashes. Well, no kidding. Right. No, like, just but, for the people but listening, even but like the population. Yeah, like, that was the the town the, was close. The yep. town was complicit. The town yep. knew what they're doing. Well, it's the, like Auschwitzen or any of these other places. Auschwitzen was a little bit further away. Like, but they still the have houses you see there are very much new. But still, it's not like they didn't know. They knew. It's like Dachau. Dachau was yeah. even closer. Dachau was like right outside. And they're like, I will, will know. So for, Fine. For our American listeners, like in Europe, especially Fuck, Germany, ridiculous. your license plate is very much related to the town, to mm-hmm. the town that you live in. And I remember Dr. Moriello, all of our professor college and un, uh, graduate school for myself, he said, like, people who's got li- who have license plate from Dachau often get their car vandalized for a reason. Right. Yeah. Well, and pull that all together for uh, well, what I w- coming from a layperson. Yeah. I was going to say, what I would like what I would like to see is I want Amy to go on and, and give you guys a layperson view because I think right now me and Brendan have been very vocal about the in-depth stuff, and I think you guys need a little is, bit. This is like our. This is more. I mean, I've spent forte than mine. I've spent. Like, I'm a close second. I could think. I would say I've spent over seven years, probably really digging into this, including three yeah, in college. My senior year of college, so 2013 to five years. You I know? mean, I did it. I did it amateur before college, but I would yeah, say I was, it's been at least seven years yeah. for me. And, and before that was just high school stuff, right? I'm like. I'm more of a uh, the Bosnian. I mean, and this side, is which we'll get to eventually, but we're not going to talk. And about this is what I'm. I mean, this is what I'm going to spend Steve my master's are, degree. Steve and I are very passionate about this topic, and Amy, we love her. She's a little misguided. She's more like a she's more of a colonial. She's more of a Philistine. She doesn't do the ugh, Europe stuff. Ugh. So, um, what she I would, wants America? Oh is, God! It's like, hey, 
Why not? Why don't we learn about Trump's history? Because it just fucking happened. Who gives a shit? So, <laughs> what I would say is this is also what I'm doing. My ma- I'm going for my masters in this sort of study because it, it's important, it, and it will unfortunately it may also relate to us eventually, and also in our past with, the, with the, the Native, Native Americans. Americans and and, and like American slavery. And I would at least go. Let's just say to be fair. Let's just sure. say completely the Native Americans. We can argue and make a debate about the slavery issue at another day, and I am not a de- not a com- in that as well. So what I would also say is, this is why I would Amy. like Amy to give, us give her, you guys a very good interpretation of what she sees from this and the information that we've given her. I'd like to see what she takes with it because I don't know. Even like Steve and I, like as far as our uh, structuralist functionalist debate that of the Holocaust, and for those that aren't aware, you're not really going to say the terms. I don't really feel like defining them right now, but like we are so just indoctrinated into the topic that. We want to hear from Amy. We yeah, want, I know. We, we kind of need to know what regular people... We need people to know, like, what Amy has has learned. Because she's learning along with you guys about I this am. topic. I mean, I'd even say I could bring Harmony into it because I had to read some of the stuff last night. But I want Harmony Amy to... Harmony is Steve's wife. Yes. I would like I would like Amy to go first and I can bring anecdotal stuff at the end. Yes. So, I'm going to level with you guys. I did not know very much, if anything, about this topic when it was first brought up. These two were beyond excited to address this topic, to delve into it and really pull it apart and say, why does this matter now? And I, at first, said, what the fuck are you talking about? So, so if you're listening to this and you're going, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> I am with you all the way. But what I have pulled from my research in this into this topic, I've read dozens of articles and had extensive conversations with these two. And me as a 20th century historian, why does it matter now? And what matters is that the history here in Poland does not get washed over. That it cannot become law to deny history. It And it's scary because it is a term that I fucking hate, but it's a slippery slope. And if Poland can deny the Polish part in the Holocaust, and I'm not saying that all Poles committed these atrocities at all, that is not what I've gathered from this, but this refusal to acknowledge those who did is dangerous. Because if we cannot be honest with ourselves, how can we expect to be honest with our children and the generations to come? And how can they possibly learn from our mistakes? Now, anecdotally, I am the oldest child. So we'll put this in a, a metaphorical sense. I am the oldest child and I made my fair share of mistakes and then some. And I know, for example, because my brother told me that he watched my mistakes and said, okay, I'm not gonna do that. And so in a much larger sense, if we look at the atrocities committed during the Holocaust, not just in Poland, but throughout the world, the the complicity that all of that, if we don't acknowledge it, then we are leaving our the future generations vulnerable to commit it again. And this example in Poland is really a microcosm of what could happen on a more global stage. And I can't imagine anything worse than us ignoring history in a way that allows us to repeat it again. So those were my takes on it. The the When I started reading articles about this, I had no idea, no idea that these pogroms took place. And the numbers that are staggering, the, the, the name of the town that I will not be able to pronounce that is in Neighbors. Yeah, Yibwabde. 
Yedvabna. 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 Sorry. The atrocity. They essentially rounded up the Jews in town, beat them to death, locked them in a building, and set the building on fire. It was a barn. It was a barn. A thousand people died. And the people who escaped, they tracked them down and beat them to death. Human beings being able to do such horrendous things to other human beings, the amount of effort and the amount of commitment it takes to chase a person down and beat them to death because they are different from you is disgusting and astounding and happens still to this day. And if we write over it in the biggest tragedy in human history, I would argue, of the Holocaust, if we were, if we allow that to be written over, what else can we write over? What's the I, limit? Uh, there is no limit. If we, uh, that, if we do that's this to, to me. the Holocaust, because that is and we're saying literally we the thing we as, compare everything to. <laughs> Y- yes. What's the limit? And if we even like our media stifle and the, hol- the voices and of history, then we are vulnerable to doing to doing it again. And it we so, are doing it again. But here, okay, so well, here, so here's a topic for another day. No, no, but, but here, here look, look, wait. So here's the thing: the Nazi genocide in Europe claimed over 13 million people. Six and a half... safe numbers. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm estimating and using the safest numbers available. Which is a... Six and a half issue-ish Jews. Million. The re- yes, million. The reason that these numbers... The reason that the Holocaust is compared to everything else is because the numbers by far and away blow away anything else. You realize that 13 million is almost a third of who died in World War One. It's a third of who died in World War Two. The two wars themselves killed 100 million people between military and civilian casualties. The reason the Holocaust is always brought up is because it's all civilian. Mm. There are very few military combatants that are involved in these numbers because military combatants understand, and as a veteran, we understand what we sign up for. You do, whether you're drafted or not. You sign your name on on the dotted line, and it says up to and including your sacrifice of your life for your country. Which is why, at the same time, I'm not comfortable with saying everybody who's in... The German army during World War Two was a Nazi. I know SS, they weren't. We know they SS, weren't. Yeah. SS is one hundred percent. But the Wehrmacht, the Wehrmacht, the Wehrmacht had some is, very old school Prussian like, style soldiers yeah, that like, had no interest in when Hitler invaded. Right, but they had so. Well, and that goes. All back right, we to need to go. We the Wehr- we're going up, we're going okay. Up, we're going so up. the SS versus Wehrmacht needs to be another episode. But anyway, what Amy is saying is true. The reason that these numbers are, and the reason that this topic is so vitally important to the laypersons, because this this travesty of event took place in modern times by a first world nation against people in a first world nation at the time. Yes. And that isn't, even when we talk about how it still happens, how we say never again because of the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. Bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's just that it's, we're talking about a first world nation. This this is not common in a first world nation anymore. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. R- Rwanda's not. And Bosnia, unfortunately, Bosnia is not. No, it's not. not especially much. at the time it happened. Anyway, so we're divulging into something else. But the reason that these this argument is so important is because this, I mean, I'll give you an example. It's anecdotal, I understand. But... My wife and I went over this stuff last night because I wanted her opinion. Because she is the definition of a layperson. She has no degree in history. You know, her her specialty is in human resources and things like that. She is not a historical person. She has watched some documentaries with me because I'm a psychopath about this stuff and I watch it all the time. I really do. If it's not about Nazis and Polish stuff, I really don't watch it. But anyway, she read the article and at first she was like, I don't understand why this is so important. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why this should matter. 
And then she read only about five articles. And she's like, this is fucking ridiculous. Right. She's like, these people are claiming they have no complicity yet in the marches that support their legislation are Nazi. She goes, and then I read articles from the Holocaust Memorial Museum who are like, oh, after the war, after the fucking terrible Nazis leave, after the Soviets leave, you Poles murdered people because they were Jewish. She's like, how the hell am I going to sit there and say you're not complicit? She goes, I'm just a regular person. Uh-huh. You know, we talked about this. She's like, I have no education in this. And she's like, they're complicit. She goes, they have responsibility for the events that happen in their country. And uh, that's the thing. Service. And that's a regular, non-historic... She has no, no history degree. And she has no background in history. I know. She has no interest. And she has... Well, she has a minor interest. She, she has, has no... Your, like, she... Right. She does it's your wife. Right. She's not an asshole. And she wants to take your interest. Correct. But, like, she's not somebody who's going to go to, like, her local bookstore and pick up the... Like, like she's not going to read Bloodlands on her own. She's not going to read... She couldn't... Let's put it this way. She couldn't finish Neighbors because it was too horrifying. Yeah. She tried to yes. read it. Yes, it is. She tried to read it and she could not finish it. She literally was like, "You have, I can't read this." I see her reading Fire and Fury because it's such a hot topic right now. Yeah, but like she read, she read forty-five pages of Neighbors and she's not. She's not reading Browning. No. So here's the thing, though. On okay, by the way, here's Devil. Well, hold on, this is important because he mentioned Goldhagen, and and, so by the way, for the the layperson in the audience, Daniel Goldhagen, Daniel Goldhagen, and Christopher Browning uh, is the major. Is the major debate that goes on with the Holocaust and in the complicity of German civilians? Goldhagen says that all Germans were programmed basically to murder Jews, whereas Christopher Browning says it was uh, Nazi specific. So, it was a specific Nazi so thing. So the best way to sum it up is Goldhagen says that no all Germans, Germans, no Germans, no Holocaust. Right. Browning says no, no Nazis, no Holocaust. Correct. So now we can go to Amy. Sorry. Okay. So, on the surface, if you read this bill and nothing else and don't think critically about it, <laughs> it looks like something that is entirely agreeable. Right. That they that the Polish government does not want to acknowledge, does not want to say that there were Polish death camps. There were no Polish Nazis. None of us are disagreeing with that. No, 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 what no, no. no. We we're disagreeing, disagreeing with Polish Nazis. We're just, what we're disagreeing no, we're just, with... Like, no, no, we disagree with Polish Nazis. You pointed that out earlier. We disagree with Polish Nazis. Yes. I, did, I said we might not call the, the Polish... Okay, so what I was saying is... But, that, I mean, you, you can't say that you no one say disagrees with that. No, but no one disagrees... Polish fascists, yes... Polish Nazis, okay. What we'll the issue is we'll today, today. I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm a douchebag. Nice yeah, and I want to move on to the conversation. The, the issue today is that there is a political party in power that says that none of... In Poland. Poland. In which country is another question entirely, but... That's right. But the country, the, the political... <sighs> party that is in power in Poland right now a lot of peas in that sentence and it's really hard to fucking say pa, 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 pa. it's like a really shitty machine gun anyway now that Steve's rolled his eyes all the way back into his head I don't know if they will ever come back Bing. I hit the button get back to your shit Amy was that it's happening now this denial is happening now and if it can happen in Poland, it can happen anywhere else. And it's going to happen for other things. I think that's important. And it will. It, it's, we I've hope to, not. I've been to Bosnia. They deny it there. I've been to Croatia. They deny that shit there. I, I'm i sure I've read and heard shit about Rwanda. I have a friend from Rwanda who survived that shit 
fight me, bro, happened in Rwanda. Right. And then and it's, it's going to be other things. Like, Myanmar is still got a shit going on right now. We still ISIL is everything. still having the things in uh, Afghanistan not, and Iran. Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq in the 80s for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a topic to talk about. Like, yeah, I don't know enough about these topics to be like, this is definitive genocide. But no, it's, no, it's not. But it's without close. a doubt, it's very crimes close. against humanity. Yeah, and and I would say in certain cases even ethnic cleansing. I wouldn't necessarily go with genocide, but it's close. I mean, and some of them it's very it's close. Let's put it way. It skirts the line enough where you're like, mm, you know. But the problem is like when we start saying clear acts of genocide. So in my mind, the way it's like there are no small acts of genocides. It's I would say it's definitely Rwanda. Create, no, but listen. Yeah. Like there's no small like small acts of genocide. There are these small acts that create the genocide as a whole. So we have Fair. these act like we have Yedvabne, which makes which adds to, to the, the genocide. Po- to the genocide. Well, it's like of Latvia. Polish Jews. Right. It's like, yeah, Latvia, it's like Latvia where they. Where they yeah. It's like what Christopher Browning says in his book Ordinary Man. Highly recommend. Great read. Where it's a clear act of killing of Jews that is another act of that will amount to genocide. So the two books... So essentially the thing that is like, when is enough going to be enough? When is clear cases of crimes against humanity, which is against the individual, versus uh, acts of genocide, which is against the group, when do we start differentiating between like, oh, well, that's not really that thing. Where's the line? Where's the line? Because then we're going to say what you went through, what your people went through is bullshit. Don't even fucking talk about it. The line Because you just want sympathy and reparation. Right. And shit like that. And we didn't do anything bad. Reparations. Yeah, I would agree. So the two books, if if anything, the two books Sorry, that I would here's the two books that I would recommend reading from this episode. And, uh, by the way, three. If anybody wants, Sorry, three. If anybody wants uh, books or sources, our sources or anything. Well, we're gonna we're got, gonna start posting the sources. That's just right. quick yes. message on the Facebook. My my friend my friend can, Sandy, who's a professor at Salem State, she recommended we post the the sources, and we're going to start doing. We're that. going to start yes. doing that. And so if, and if you guys want any other books, like hey, I don't really care. I got that topic, but. You know, like, I want a topic on this. What do you guys recommend? So the three books that I would recommend reading about this particular topic would be Neighbors by Jan Gross, Christopher Browning's Ordinary Men, and Tim Snyder's Bloodland. Mm. These three books will really give you an insight into this particular topic because all three deal with Eastern Europe, with civilians killing Jews, and the fact that the Nazis, the fact that the Nazis were not always the instigators. You know what also I think could help with this is The Nazi Conscience by Claudia Kuntz. I love that book, but I'm it's not sure... It's a great sure. book, but it's a clear, definitive difference between yes, but German complicity and German Nazism versus Polish because they don't fit in with that. No, I know, I know that, but I, for this particular topic, those three books are a little better. If you, you want to really... Three books are better, but if you really... If you really want to go down the road, Claudia Kuntz's book by uh, The Nazi Conscience is an amazing book, and it's probably... Yeah. It's I, a book that I have recommended to people who have no interest at all in Polish stuff. It's just about the Germans in general and because of the Olympics and everything that happened in 36. But anyways, I digress. It's just a great book. I thought you I think, I think to, to really wrap this episode up, I think the biggest takeaway that you should have from this episode is that this issue is important because... Th- our country, our country specifically, is going through a very weird time where we have a populist president, yes. and some people are borderline calling him fascist. Now, in Europe right now, we have Italian Austria. people. Italian people are going on to the neo-fascism. Poland right now, with the Law and Justice Party, is really flirting with neo-fascism. We're going down this new fascist road in Europe. 
it can come here. Do not, do not be foolish enough. France particularly almost had, they had a runoff to decide that there wasn't going to be a fascist president. And the Brexit is because... Well, that's falling apart. But the Brexit was due to nationalist issues in Great Britain. Specifically against Poles. Against a lot of them. Against the refugees. We're not going to go into that today. But this is why this is important for you. I know you're in America, or I would assume you're in America. I'm sorry. If We're not international yet. Right. <laughs> but hey, your that's country, not you're listening from. That'd your country is a populist, right now is a populist government. But if you think that you can't go down those roads, you'd be foolish to think that. You'd be foolish to think we couldn't slip down the fascist road. And today we don't have have time to go into that but trust me you can go down that road and brendan brendan has some more to follow up with you uh, i just want to add on to what you're saying so when you hear things about like <clears throat> what poland is doing right now in regards to their own complicity in the holocaust ask why why would you want why the united why, states why, denies why? the united states denies the in the native american genocide Mm-hmm. As a whole, it denies the Native American genocide. That's even the, even the Native Americans are faint to call it genocide. Now, does that mean they're right or wrong? I no. don't know. And I'm yes. not. I will not judge them because I have no place it's a to judge them. For as that. far as I'm concerned, uh, relatively new as far as like discovering no, yeah, the no. term of what happened. But when you hear somebody, when you hear legislation actively saying we're not going to call our own complicity legal we're going we want it to be what do you hear that's very dangerous speech it's very dangerous it's illegal freedom of speech let's well, wait russia Ask why russia the, one of why. the most dirty yes. corrupt places and with fight it Russia, one of the most corrupt countries in this world, mm-hmm. has passed a law in 2014 to make sure Holocaust denial was illegal. If Russia is willing to do that and Poland is denying their own complicity, think about what that says. Exactly. Think about in, it. In a world context. But, they, but think yeah. about that. Yeah. Think about what that means to you. We all, and I'm not saying that because I don't like Russia. What I'm saying to you is we all know, or me in this, this room should know, that Russia is a very morally... Um, they just killed, like, allegedly, people in England again. They, they have they have a um, a moral issue, let's put it that way. Sounds so that's good. That's a good... I mean, I'm not, I sound sarcastic, but I'm genuinely agreeing with you. I would say a moral issue. And so the fact that they are willing to say that Holocaust so denial is illegal should show you that the fact that Poland is willing to go to the, the mats over the fact that their complicity should be questioned is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Yep. And you need to be aware of this because this can come to your town, to your country. And if it, if you see it, you, it is your responsibility as a human being to call it out. Correct. And to say, no, I, right. I At will not. At least create the discussion. You need, and, you need to be aware. And that's the, I mean, that goes that's back the whole to point of this mission statement. Yeah. As the angry historians, we are inviting people to this conversation and yeah. saying, and if you, you have this conversation that's uncomfortable with your uncle. I think if you think we're or, bullshit, call us, create a very constructive Make sure you have evidence. Make sure you don't just call up and say YouTube told me that fucking the Holocaust is fake because I will fucking... Because you know what? Because you know what? We will I want those no, no. fuck yourself because you're a fucking piece of shit. No, no. No, no. Here's the thing. We're going to talk thing. to people who have... A There's a fucking thing on Reddit called Our Holocaust, which is an Holocaust denial part. Those savages don't even bother writing it because I'm not going to respond to you because you're delusional. But if you have some evidence that you want to try to put into this, that's fine. And we will we debate you on a, a moral and personal level, and I will not insult you and I will not belittle you if I you have was, actual. I if you have actual. If you have actual Lively, questions, right? Intellectual debate. If you have actual questions and actual evidence, you would love to have us to refute. That's fine, and yeah, we will take that all day. Great. But if you're gonna sit there and quote shit like off a of Reddit, 
Don't even bother. Because I'm you not going to respond. David Irving. Go fuck him. Oh, yeah. David Irving can go get fucking pounded in the ass with a we'll big rubber dick. We let you get away with Daniel Goldhagen. He's a fucking piece of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> right. either. But we're not letting you get David Irving. No. That motherfucking psychopath. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah, the, I think that this, this episode this episode is actually very important. It's a very important... It's one of those under-the-radar important type episodes where you need to understand that governments around the world, not just Poland are always looking to get out of stuff like this. And Poland has come under the radar from people like us because this type of thing, this type of event, I mean, we've all heard of the Holocaust. We've heard of it. Whether you, whether you want to go down the road or you believe it or not, I, I don't really want to debate that with you, but you've heard of the Holocaust. And these people are willing That's to... Great. You, these people are willing to go to bat over their reputation. Their, you have to hold up Polish bravery instead of their actual, you know, it, crimes. And it's not to say that there we we don't want to acknowledge the people in Poland who were brave and Correct. did save people. Yeah, when I it's th- just to acknowledge the Warsaw the people of the Warsaw Uprising. We're talking about something. Completely there were many good Germans. There were many good Polans, sure. Polish people. There, there were many, many good, good Ukrainians French. and there French. There were many good Americans. There were many good everything. Uh, but at just there's always just as many good people as, as there are shit people. I would say there's more good people. Yeah, there's more good people. And we're not even. And I also want to put out there: we're not calling out the people that were actively like, "I'm not getting involved." Well, you should. I mean, not in those times because it's totally different conversation. It's a total different philosophical debate. We're talking specifically about in this episode about the people who were complicit and active, actively, yeah, actively collaborating. They were actively like. I fu- like, hey, excuse I reported me, Hans, this guy, yeah. is it okay if I bring my hammer with, like, all the nails? Or, 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 you know, the guy that says, hey, hey, Gerhard, I have five Jews in my barn. I got them there. Do you want to burn them down or right. should I do it? Correct. Those are the people we're really attacking. That's who we're this. talking about today. We're not talking about people who it's like, I really want to help my Jewish neighbors, but I have to worry about my family. That's a different philosophical debate. Yes. We can have that conversation ever, whenever, but we're not, ta- we're, not ta- we're talking about the people who are like, Jews are there. Yeah, the people that would yeah. willingly point them out yeah. without even without threats a, of a violence. Hesitation. Right. This is a hesitation. Just some guy in a car showing up and you're willing to point at a building that they're in. That's that's what we're talking about. Like, right there, bro. Right. Anyways, so, I think we've come to a good conclusion now. I think I think you guys are. I think you guys have got the idea. Uh, I'd like you guys to join in next time. We're not entirely positive what we're going with next time. Yeah, but you guys need to come back. You need to go to Patreon. Please go to Patreon page. Please also go to Twitter. Go to Instagram. Go to Facebook. We are going to be on Spotify soon, and we are going to be on iTunes. We will get all caught up. You will have all four episodes on those websites. Mm-hmm. Please go there and download. We will also be releasing some some mini episodes that are uh, previews of the Patreon page so you understand what you're going to be getting from there. Make sure you follow us. Brendan and I will go over it again. Again, and Amy and Brendan will give you a nice rundown of the actual page names. But please, we want to do this. We want to give you guys information. We want to keep doing this. Please give us your uh, attention and go to follow us and make sure that you understand. You know, you're going to get benefits for going on Patreon. You're going to go benefits for going on mm-hmm. Instagram and Spotify and iTunes. All right, guys, have a good night, and we will see you next time. Hey, guys, this is Brendan, the Ginger Gorilla from the Angry Historians. I just want to remind you guys about a few things. Number one, like us on your social media. We got Facebook. We got Twitter. We got Instagram. We have the Anger Historians. One on Twitter. Come on, I'm tired of talking to myself. I want somebody to interact with me. And we have our Instagram, the Angry Historians. And we posted a pretty nice pic for uh, 
our nasty woman Amy this week to celebrate nasty his nasty woman's day. A nasty woman's International day. International Women's Day. Not good enough. <laughs> we want nasty women on our page. <laughs> we also got the Angry Stern's Patreon page. Be sure to look us up. Come on, guys. The more money you contribute, even if it's a dollar, that helps everything in the world. We need help to great create the content that you want. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Speaking of content that you want, uh, we highly encourage your your comments, your questions on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else you can come up with. Probably not Snapchat because we're not on there, but we might be eventually. Um, we will also be that. posting all of our mm-hmm. episodes to iTunes and to we will be submitting our podcast to Spotify. So please look us up on there and please give us your comments, your questions, your discussion points. We want to hear them. We want to react to them. And we will be posting our reaction videos to the Patreon page. So go to our Patreon page, uh, Patreon slash The Angry Historians, and give us all you got. And uh, we really appreciate it. So have a a fantastic rest of your day whenever you've listened to this podcast.